Welcome back to Inside the Hive. This is Emily Jane Fox. I'm here with a very exciting episode this week. We have Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro, who is the Democratic candidate for governor in the state. If you haven't been following this week, you should be following because this is one of the most pivotal races that we are watching in the country. There is a big primary race this week. Uh, The results were wild. The Pennsylvania Republicans voted for a candidate who was part of the insurrection on January 6th. He has attended events that were closely tied to QAnon. He is a perpetuator of the big lie. He is someone who is um, opposing abortion in any instance in the state. And so the stakes of this election are extremely high. Uh, the, The way that the tea leaves are being read, people are talking about this race and talking about this race and talking about this race. And so the fact that we have the Democratic candidate, Josh Shapiro, on for the second time of Inside the Hive uh, is really exciting and really important. We talk all about uh, what he is focused on going into November, uh, what he thinks it says about the state that that 40% of those who voted on Tuesday voted for a candidate like his opponent. Uh, it's a fascinating conversation, and I'm so happy to bring it to you guys uh, here. Have a listen and and let us know what you have to say. We have the most exciting guest this week. I really think this is the perfect thing that we could be talking about and the perfect person with whom to talk about it. So welcome back to the podcast, Attorney General Josh Shapiro of Pennsylvania. Hi, Josh. Great to be with you, Emily. Thanks. I'm so happy to have you here. What a week for you, huh? It's been a whirlwind. There's a lot going on and I'm excited to be with you, talk about the stakes of this race. Obviously, the stakes couldn't be higher. The contrast couldn't be clearer and we're ready. I want to talk to you all about those contrasts, but I first, we're now, as you and I are talking, it's Thursday morning, and I want your read on what happened earlier this week, both in your race, in races across Pennsylvania, and then the races that we saw across across the country. I think what's clear here in Pennsylvania is that the modern day Republican Party here in our Commonwealth is being led by someone who is not only unqualified to be governor, but he is extremely dangerous. This is a person who was at the insurrection on January 6th, but more importantly, when the police told him to stop marching toward the Capitol, he crossed those police barricades and disobeyed that order. He's someone who wants to criminalize and ban abortion without exceptions and actually wants to throw doctors in jail for performing abortions. Mm. He wants to throw out Pennsylvanians' votes if, if he doesn't like the winner. And on election night, he talked about, as governor, he could just decertify voting machines with the stroke of a pen in order to change the outcome of an election. This person is extremely dangerous, and yet he earned 40-plus percent of the vote in this Republican primary. Now, I think it'll obviously be a different electorate come the fall, and I think there is a clear contrast between he and I, and ultimately, at the end of the day, I think the good people of Pennsylvania want someone who's going to try and help lead them forward and address their problems as opposed to the kind of dangerous extremism that he represents. Well, the kind of dangerous extremism that he represents, this is why people are talking about your race and focusing on it so much. I'm going to read something from the New York Times because as I was preparing for the interview and reading this, I, I just had to read it to you. Um, 
I'm going to quote it directly. Conversations with Republican strategists, donors, and lobbyists in and outside of Pennsylvania in recent days reveal a party seething with anxiety, dissension, and score settling over Mastriano's nomination. In the run-up to Tuesday night, Republicans openly used words like suicide mission, disaster, and voyage of the Titanic to convey what a catastrophe, what a catastrophe <laughs> they believed his candidacy would be for the party. That has to feel pretty good as someone uh, running against him in the race to read and to hear this week, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, this is no disrespect to the New York Times at all. And I think they're, because I think they're accurately portraying how Republicans and independent-minded voters feel right now. But I also live in the reality on the ground in Pennsylvania, in a state that determined the last two presidential races by less than 1% of mm-hmm. the vote. This is a razor thin state. And I expect that uh, this election, notwithstanding how dangerous and extreme my opponent is, will also be close. And we take nothing lightly. We're not going to repeat some of the mistakes that I think were made, frankly, back in 2016. We're going to continue to travel all across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, speak directly to voters, talk about my optimistic, hopeful vision for the Commonwealth and its future, and certainly draw a clear contrast with my opponent. What is also clear, Emily, is that over the last two days since the race was called, or roughly two days, the number of Republicans, including Republican office holders, who've been reaching out to me and my campaign wanting to get involved is is certainly encouraging. We are going to build a big, broad coalition of Republicans, independents, and Democrats, and I think we're well on our way to doing so. But we're under no illusions. We know this is going to be close. Well, what are some of those mistakes that you don't want to repeat from 2016? What are you, what are you fighting against here? Look, I think in 2016, the top of our ticket, quite frankly, wrote off a lot of communities in Pennsylvania. And I don't do that. It's one of the reasons why I won in 2016. And then earn more votes in 2020 than anyone in the history of Pennsylvania. I show up, I listen, I treat people with respect, and we build coalitions of Republicans, independents, and Democrats to actually get things done. I've got a track record of doing that, and you'll see more of the same from me in in this election. I think what's clear is that there is quite the contrast between me and my opponent, and I think our, our ability to show that difference will be on display. You hit at something that I want to ask you more about, that you know, more than 40% of your state, of my former state, uh, voted for this guy. And as extreme and as dangerous as he is, and I could list out, you know, you brought up his role in the January 6th insurrection, but this is someone who has taken such a hard line on abortion. This is someone who has really uh, worked to perpetuate the big lie. This is someone who has been uh, at events linked to QAnon. This is a ex- very, very hyper-extreme opponent you're facing, and yet a large portion of your state voted for him. I want to ask you, does that worry you that so many people in your state are voting for someone who holds these positions, and how do you talk to those people? How do you campaign to those people? Do you move your campaign to meet that large swath of voters in your state? So look, I mean, on the one hand, I don't want to overstate what he accomplished, right? There were 1.3 or so million Republican primary voters. He got a little over 40% of that. Uh, Obviously, the general election electorate will be much, much larger. What is clear is that he is wildly out of touch with where Pennsylvanians are, and he's extremely dangerous. Now, the way I'm going to run this race is what I did in 2016 and 2020, which is to show up in those communities um, that voted for him, to not 
cede that ground and to talk about how I want to invest in their kids' education and invest in public safety. And that positive vision combined with my work ethic and frankly, my track record of bringing Democrats and Republicans together is something that at the end of the day will overcome the extremism on the other side. You were so in it when it came to the election fraud cases after the 2020 election. This is right when you and I talked on the podcast last time. We were we were sort of talking about all the work you were doing in that. It is clear from the election in your state and elections around the country that we saw earlier this week that people are voting for candidates who are perpetuating this big lie. Uh, how do you talk about that when it comes up, when you go to these places? If you are going into these communities that people ignore that perhaps don't agree with you on this issue. How do you talk about that with them? I go in and I speak truth. Listen, I was in a town called Boyer. It's in uh, Butler County, which is a county that overwhelmingly voted for the former president. And I went there to, to sit in a hunt club with maybe 20 or so folks not too long ago and just have a conversation about what's on their mind. And there's a lot of areas where we found common ground. Um, they agreed with me that we should invest more in policing and public safety. They agreed with me, for example, that we need to do away with standardized testing and instead reclaim some time in the classroom for things like vocational, technical, and computer training. They agreed with me that we need to create more green energy jobs. And then several of them raised the issues of election uh, fraud. And I'm, I'm making air quotes, Emily. I know you can't <laughs> see me. but um, And you know what I did? I immediately gave them the facts. I talked about how I'm the chief law enforcement officer of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And what we discovered during the last election, which was a handful of cases where an individual committed voter fraud, where they were trying not to commit widespread voter fraud, but cast one extra vote. <laughs> you know, ironically, they were trying to cast an extra vote for Donald Trump. And, mm. you know, they were prosecuted. They were held accountable. And so the bottom line is, I think you have to meet those folks where they are and speak truth to them, not in an aggressive way, but just make sure they have the facts. And that is what I intend to keep doing in this campaign, introducing fact, not the kind of ridiculous conspiracy theories that my opponent is bringing to the conversation. Well, you happen to have facts on your side. You happen to be a very clear front runner with an opponent many people don't think is a very strong opponent. I understand it will be close and, and these things go the way that they go in, in recent elections. But you have a lot of money support behind you. As you said, you have Republicans who are calling you over the last couple of days asking how they can get involved in your campaign. That's a, a very good position to be in. But you are also running as a member of an incumbent party when people don't feel that the economy is working for them with an unpopular president at the top. How do you combat these headwinds going into November? Yeah, I think doing what I've done in the past. In both of my last two races, I've confronted headwinds. I mean, look, in 2016, Secretary Clinton lost and I won. In 2020, when many Democrats, in, including the two others running statewide, lost in Pennsylvania, I won. Now, Joe Biden won as well, but I won with more votes than anyone in the history of Pennsylvania running for any office at any time. And I think it's because of our brand of, of politics, and that is showing up, treating people with respect, and talking about how you're going to improve their lives, focusing on making their lives just a little bit better. And so 
That's why I'm out on the trail talking about their kids' education and talking about how we can grow their economy and improve public safety. And Emily, also talking about how we make sure they don't get screwed, right? Um, I've seen this as attorney general too many times, big corporations like student loan companies putting profits before people and taking advantage of them. And I've stood up, I fought back and I've won for the good people of Pennsylvania. I think it's a matter of showing people the respect of being in their communities and that you can deliver for them. And I've got a track record of doing that. So I don't pay a whole lot of attention, frankly, to what's going on in Washington, D.C. I take my cues from Washington County, Pennsylvania, and I'm you know, not focused on the national environment. I'm focused on what's happening here in the Commonwealth. I can he- sense a little bit about what must matter to Pennsylvania voters right now. I hear you bringing up education a couple of times, so that must be something that is top of mind from voters. What else from Tuesday's exit polling or the polling that you guys are doing are the issues that people are really going to turn up for in November? Well, I think obviously people care about bodily autonomy and having the right to choose. And we know that the next governor will have a bill on his desk that will ban abortion here in Pennsylvania. I will veto that bill. My opponent will sign it. I know people want to have a continuation of free and fair elections. They do not want that process disturbed. I think they want the union way of life to be able to continue. My opponent um, certainly is opposed to that. But I, Emily, I also think that there's a deeper issue here that will be on the ballot, and that is the fundamental issue of freedom. And I want to take a minute and talk about that. My opponent loves to talk about freedom. He cloaks himself in the blanket of freedom. He's got his he, you know, he's, he's always talking about that. He's always citing that we're going to walk as free people. It is the biggest load of BS that he's put forth. I mean, here's the thing, Emily, I want you to think about this. It is not freedom to dictate to a woman what she can do with her body or what medicine she can take. It's not freedom when you tell a family under what terms they can have children and when and how. That's not freedom. It's not freedom when he tells our children what books they can read. And it sure as hell isn't freedom when he says, sure, go vote, but I'll pick the winner. That's not freedom. And so I fundamentally believe that freedom is on the ballot in November. And I'm the candidate that will stand up and defend that freedom, defend that choice, defend that independence that people have. And I I think that issue is on the ballot as well. And we intend to compete hard in that area. And I think I represent where the vast majority of Pennsylvanians are. My opponent is wildly out of touch. He is dangerous and he wants to restrict our personal freedoms. What do you say to people about inflation and about gas prices and about the, the things that matter to them when they get their paycheck every week, when they are looking at their credit card statements? How are you talking to that issue? Well, it's clear that inflation and, and rising costs is a real issue. I, I hear about it all the time. It's also clear that There are global reasons for it. I don't think the average person blames their governor or their state legislator for it. But I also think it's not an excuse just because it's happening because of global reasons that we shouldn't act here in Pennsylvania. So I put forth a couple months ago a very concrete plan to deal with rising costs. Number one, I said we should cancel a bunch of these nuisance taxes that exist in Pennsylvania. Like, for example, everybody pays an 11% tax on their cell phones. I'm going to end that and put $317 million back in the pockets of Pennsylvanians. Number two, seniors are struggling with rising costs in, in their homes. And so I want to double the what's known as the property tax rent rebate that seniors get 
and increase it by hundreds of thousands of seniors so that they have more money coming into their pockets so they can stay in their homes. And third, to deal with the rising costs of fuel, what I want to do is is give everybody with a car a $250 gas tax rebate immediately. If you have two cars, we'll give you 500 bucks, three cars, 750, et cetera. The bottom line is we need to offset these higher costs for people. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania didn't create this problem, but as governor, I'll solve it. Well, governor is one piece of this and the senators are another piece of this. So before I let you go, I want to ask your take on the Senate race in your state. Very interesting photo finish happening on the Republican side. On on your side, it seems like you know who you're going to be doing a lot of campaigning with. So I'm curious about your take on what we saw earlier this week. Yeah, look, obviously, I congratulate John Fetterman um, on a really decisive win. And most importantly, I, I want to wish him a full and speedy recovery. And I'm, I'm just sending my prayers to him and Giselle and their kids uh, for a full and speedy recovery. And it'll be good to have him back out on the trail soon. Obviously, we don't know who he's going to be going up against in, in this race. That's yet to be determined. But, you know, candidly, I'm, I'm really focused on my race. I'm focused on the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, not what's happening in D.C. The stakes couldn't be higher in our race. And, and that's what I'm focused on. Well, you said it, the stakes couldn't be higher. And I'm just watching eagerly what's happening in the state. It is personally important to me. It's important to my whole family. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens with you in the coming months. It looks like you're in a very good spot. So thank you so much for coming back here. I hope you feel better. Hey, thanks so much, Emily. Great to be with you. Thank you to our guests, Josh Shapiro, and of course, my co-host, Joe Hagan. If you enjoyed this conversation, please be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, radio.com, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Thank you to the folks at Cadence 13 for the production work and Brett Fuchs, our wonderful producer. And of course, thank you to our sponsors. Please support them any way you would support this podcast. We will see you right here next week.